First Peter chapter 4, I'll be reading verses 7 to 11. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I'm studying on the um, spiritual disciplines as uh, when it's my turn to preach here at Weavertown. Today I've chosen to speak on the subject of hospitality. <clears throat> now I think it is very clear, especially as I look at the New Testament, that one of the fundamental mandates for the Christian church is the uh, practice of hospitality. It's actually an old, ancient practice that we can obviously see in use or in practice in the Old Testament as well. It's something that seems to be very close to the heart of God as he instructs the children of Israel, especially to watch out for or to, be in, um, to look out for the needs of the strangers in their midst. So we can see that hospitality is close and dear to the heart of God. <clears throat> Several things that I see uh, that are especially important for us at the outset of this sermon here. Uh, why? Hospitality. The necessity of it. Well, I think first of all, I think when we are hospi hospitable, I think we remind ourselves that what we have is given to us to share. It is not given to us to hoard or to hold on to, to grab on to, but it's given to us by God to share. And then also I think when we show grace to others, it reminds those who are being shared with of God's grace. And I think there would probably be testimonies that you could think of or have experienced where you have been at the receiving end of hospitality and it has reminded you of God's grace. And I think that's a, a strong reason to practice Christ, or hospitality, Christian hospitality. Sec, or thirdly, we reveal Christ's character. Number four, when we are hospitable, we learn about others' customs and other cultures. I can easily think of times in uh, where I've been exposed to other people, where I have uh, ministered or in some way given to others, and I have learned something about the person that I'm ministering to. It broadens my horizons when I reach out to people. And that is, uh, yeah, that's a fact. And then also, I think not only does our, our, our horizons broaden toward other cultures, I think hospitality is also a strong cultivator for ourselves 
for our community right here at Weavertown, the things that we practice in hospitality toward each other uh, strengthen our community. When I think of hospitality, I, um, yeah, I am indebted to a culture and a, an upbringing of hospitality. And I'm very thankful for that. My parents, in my upbringing years, practiced hospitality to people that were, um, uh, had no way of repaying them. Um, yeah, there were just a numerous, a string of people that slept in our house and ate at our table and um, in some way or another our family was connected to and I, I appreciate that. The one humorous story that especially comes to my uh, memory, um, back in the late 70s and perhaps even early 80s, it was kind of the end of the hippie movement and yeah, I don't know, people were coming back from the war, or I don't know exactly what it is, we had more um, beggars or strangers that would happen to wander in our driveway there on the farm where we lived. And they would come to the door and ask for food or ask for, um, yeah, something of that nature. My mother was always uh, very interactive with those people. And I remember especially once a, um, a person that was completely unknown to us came to the door and asked for food. And my mother at that time was making, at that minute, was making bean soup and snitz pie. So uh, that was handy. We uh, cut a piece of snitz pie since that was already made and handed it to the beggar and told him that we would bring a bowl of soup when it is ready, which was just a little later. He decided to eat the, the pie last. And so he set the pie beside him on the uh, patio there where he sat. And when the soup was ready, we brought it out to him in a bowl. And he was so excited about the soup that he proceeded to sit down right in his piece of pie. <laughs> so that's something that's been talked about in our family from, from time to time. And I'm also uh, amazed and deeply grateful for the example of hospitality that Gina's parents have and are showing to people. Over the years, they also have had a string of people. Many people have been through their home. And a couple of weeks ago when we visited them in Utah, I was again reminded, they have a steady string of people. Some people very needy that come to their house. And I'm challenged by that. And it's something that I want to pass on to my children and to those around me. Uh, hospitality. <clears throat> My outline here for today is the necessity of hospitality and following here we'll go through these point by point as I proceed through the sermon today. I want you to especially notice the verb forms in the commands. The commands where hospitality is commanded or suggested or encouraged in scripture, I want you to especially notice the verb forms. In Romans 12:13, some of these verses that I have listed here uh, uses the same Greek word, maybe not the word hospitality as it's trans translated or transliterated into the New Testament, but the same Greek word shows up in uh, various places and various spots. Romans 12, verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints, 
given to hospitality, and I've used that as the title for my sermon today, given to hospitality. It's, it speaks of a commitment. It speaks of a lifestyle. It speaks of a, of a, a, a decision that has been made and acted upon, that hospitality becomes second nature. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that we are not to be forgetful to entertain strangers because we may not know the nature of the strangers that we are entertaining. First Peter, our text here today, First Peter 4.9, use hospitality one to another without grudging. And we'll talk about this just a little bit more in a later time. But especially the verb form here about using hospitality. Also, we notice that widows are commanded when they are placed in a position of leadership or they have a role of responsibility in the church. As it comes to um, serving people, one of the requirements, according to 1 Timothy 5, is that they are hospitable. They have a history of being hospitable. And church leaders, bishops and overseers, are called to be hospitable. It is one of the requirements or the characteristics of, of church leaders. I think for me, perhaps one of the most startling teaching anywhere in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus gives that string of teaching and parables, and he talks about the sheep and the goats and the divide, dividing of eternal destinies there. And one of the things that, he, that decide a person's eternal destiny is how they have treated strangers. You saw a person in need and did something about it, and so you went to heaven. Or there was a need that you were presented with, and you did nothing. And it becomes an eternal destiny for that person. I do not suggest that, I'm not of the persuasion that it's hospitality or hell, but I think it's a picture of, of a lifestyle, a much broader way of living that, we, that channels the rest of our life. When and if we practice hospitality, there are many other things that spin off of that practice that cause us to think differently and informs our minds and our, and our hearts on how to live and why our purpose for living. So I'm challenged by that. I think the Bible command is just as clear and undisputable as could be. We are to practice hospitality. The meaning of hospitality. The meaning of hospitality. Now, when we think about the word hospitality, it's easy for me or for us to think about parties or um, opening our homes for gatherings uh, where perhaps there would be numerous or lots of people. That is obviously part of it. The meeting of believers or friends or community, that's obviously part of it. 
The, the Greek word is real informative, though, and the, the meaning of the Greek word is actually, the Greek word is actually a compound word, and it literally means be, being kind to strangers, people that you don't know. And obviously, I've, like I said, I think that's very instructive, and I think it is actually probably closest to the heart of the practice of hospitality. The Greek word is two words, like I said, being kind to strangers. It's, it's kindness to people that we don't know, people that we randomly meet or see, people that we don't have a history of being with. And I think it's especially easy to be kind or to be hospitable to people that can repay you. Part of the reasons it's easy to host people at your house is because sometime or other you'll be invited to their house. Um, it's easy to invite people that, are, that have the means or the capability of repaying you in some way. But I think the deepest and at the core, hospitality is being kind to people that cannot repay you, that don't have the means to repay you. People who are strangers to you, and I would add, perhaps people who are strangers to God. I think it is a tremendous, tremendous testimony and a way of witnessing to, uh, from wherever we are, whatever stage of life we are in, paying attention or making people feel special is a way of, of witnessing testimony. I think it's especially um, noteworthy also that the Greek word for Hospitality, one of the root words, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it quite right, but it's exene or something like that. And uh, those of you who are especially um, uh, introverted in your personality uh, are probably or can, can connect with exenophobia, where you hate crowds or you detest being... Um, yeah, feeling, you feel claustrophobic sometimes when you're in with a lot of people. That's called xenophobia, or the desire not to be with lots of people. And that, um, yeah, again, that's the same root word of the Greek word hospitality. I think that the, the thought is, the teaching, just from the, the word itself, has the idea of noticing or making people, especially strangers, feel special. And again, that is something that we can do from wherever we are in our lives. People that are unknown to us, uh, you can be an extrovert, you can be an introvert, and you can still practice hospitality. You can still notice people and honor them for, for who or what they are. It occurred to me as I studied and I looked at the word hospitality, and thinking about the meaning, I thought of the root word of the word hospitality. As close as I can tell, the root word is hospital. And it makes me think, lends credibility to the meaning of the word. When you go to a hospital, you go because you have a need. You go because 
you are asking for help. There's something bigger going on that you, that, is, that you can't control on your own, and so you submit yourself to the nurses and the hospital staff because you want recovery. And you, like I said, you go because you want healing. Well, I think that is just, again, um, just a huge piece and parcel of hospitality. People come to us, the opportunity for hospitality presents itself because people have a need. They come to our house because they want healing. They want a haven for what they're going through. And I think that, again, is at the core and should be the main reason that hospitality is practiced. Not so much so that the people that we bring into our house can repay us, but it's done as a way of bringing healing, especially to people that don't know God. <clears throat> I think it is also very significant that hospitals were started in the fifth century by Christians. Hospitals were started by Christians around the, the fifth century, or around the turn of the, at the start of the fifth century, and it became a haven for people that needed help was the original intent. <clears throat> so the meaning of hospitality is how we treat the stranger, the poor, the hungry, the homeless, the sick, the prisoners. And I think it's important to love each other, and I think that is a part of um, hospitality, to love the people that we're Sitting beside, I think it's important to invite them to our houses, to shake hands with them, and to bless them and encourage them and do whatever is necessary to, to um, build community. But it's just as important, perhaps closer to the heart of hospitality, to do it to the sufferer. The person who is perhaps um, weird or... Um, seems out of place in a crowd, or a person who is in prison for whatever reason, a homeless person, a person who's not dressed as we would expect. And our love, our reaching out to them, is and should be a way to point them to Jesus. Practice hospitality. <clears throat> the Old Testament and hospitality. Now, the Bible gives frequent and numerous examples of hospitality in the Old Testament. The one that stands out to me especially is Abraham. Remember the story of how he was at the door of his tent? It seemed like it was a normal, routine day. And he notices three men come walking toward him. He did not know that they were angels. But he welcomed them in and prepared a meal for them. He entertained them. He started to discuss important spiritual things with them. And as somewhere along the line, as he did that, he became aware that they were angels. I think it's possible, maybe probable, if you look at the text, that the one was an epiphany of Jesus himself. Two of the angels went on, continued to Lot, and rescued Lot and and ultimately his wife, or ultimately Lot and his two daughters, 
his wife as well, from the destruction of Sodom. And Abraham continues the discussion with a man or an angel that, that Abraham refers to as the Lord. <clears throat> Jesus was born to parents who were offered hospitality for their need. There were numerous, there are other numerous illustrations, and I already referred to this. A large section of the law, the Mosaic law, is given to instruct the children of Israel to care for the stranger in the land, strangers that were in their midst, and how they should provide for them and not take advantage of them, and not, um, yeah, use them for some sort of um, extortion. Jesus and hospitality. In the New Testament, Mary and Martha offered their home to Jesus numerous times on his visits to Jerusalem. It seems like it was kind of a gathering place of sorts for Jesus and his disciples. When they traveled to Jerusalem, Bethany was just right outside the town, and they would resort to, to uh, Mary and Martha's house and Lazarus. <clears throat> I think as a whole, hospitality in Eastern cultures, as compared to Western cultures to this day, puts a stronger premium on hospitality. In that time especially, it was considered a virtue, I think, to the ancient world. Desert travel was considered dangerous and could actually result in death, especially if a person was not hydrated or ran out of food in some way or lost his way. And I think local people were inclined in Bible times to open their homes to travelers. Jesus goes further like he does on some other subjects and he redefines or he elevates the principle of hospitality. In Luke 14, he especially emphasizes something that um, I've already made a point of and he takes this even further. He says, when thou makest a dinner or a supper, Call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also invite thee and repay thee. You see, that's not really the cause or the true motivation for hospitality. That does not fall under the category of the core of hospitality. But, he says, when you make a feast, invite people that can't repay you. That's the core of hospitality. <clears throat> I think it's especially noteworthy to notice the end of verse 14. He says, when you do that, you're going to be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. There's a reward that goes way beyond rewards as we think of it here in life. I want to talk about hospitality and relationships. Now, we are creatures that are built on relationships. We value relationships. Sometimes we elevate them to higher levels than they ought to be. But we're built that way. We want relationships with people. And ultimately, we crave relationship with God. What is the sign of a true disciple? According to Jesus... 
He uses the example of the Good Samaritan. He says, people that really love their neighbor as themselves do like the Good Samaritan. They sacrifice. They give. They go above and beyond. They give and care and provide for. They take care of the needs that are presented to them. Here in 1 Peter, in the text that was read at the beginning of this sermon, I think I especially want to point out verses 8 and 9. And actually, yeah, we'll talk about more of these verses here as we go along, but I um, want you to notice verse 8 and 9. He says, above all, actually, let me just read verse 7 again. The end of all things is at hand. The motivation here for hospitality in this context is the soon return of Jesus Christ. The passing of time or the, the recognition that time is short and fleeting. And for that reason, because of that, we practice fervent charity. That's an interesting word in itself. Fervent charity. Love each other deeply. And he goes on to say that love covers a multitude of sins, which is a quote of Proverbs 10, 12. And he continues right on that same idea when he talks in verse 9 about using hospitality without grudging. The word love here is the word agape or charity. Charity. Agape. It emphasizes action over feeling. And I think it's important for us, again, instructive for us, to note that. Hospitality is not so much how we feel about the situation, but it's a call, it's a command, it's a compulsion that we have to do something about the need that's, that is right around us or in front of us. I don't know for sure what all it means by this love covering all offenses or covering up sin. I have at least some ideas about that. I don't intend to just go into the extent of it. Like I said, it's a quote of Proverbs 10.12. And the first part of Proverbs 10.12 says that hatred stirs up strife. It gives the picture of the opposite of hospitality. Or shutting out needs. Or noticing needs and doing nothing about them. You build walls around you. you it's a form of hate or um, inaction. That comes into play here. And that causes a problem. That causes strife. But, he says, on the other hand, love or acting out on love covers offenses or sin. I do not think that he's saying that sin should be covered up in a way that people try to cover up scandal like we see in the world. But Proverbs, I think, is contrasting the environments there. The difference in environments where you shut out needs, you build walls around you, as compared to helping or being involved. And I think that being involved in a loving way has a way of minimizing problems in a person's life partly because of the discipleship and the, the drawing effect that they feel, but also it affects our way of looking at it. We become changed to the person that we're ministering to. <clears throat> it's kind of like a bomb or a firework. 
or something like that. They have a fuse. And hospitality, as I see Proverbs 12, can be defusing the bomb as compared to detonating it. It's the same situation. You just have a different action that goes with it. Strife versus covering of, of sin. I think I should also add that I think one of the dangers of hospitality, perhaps especially people that are especially inclined toward hosting or hospitality, is that, uh, uh, well, let me just back up a little bit. I think it's interesting to note that in Hebrews, or I'm sorry, 1 Peter 4 here, in verse 11, he talks about the spiritual gifts in connection with hospitality, at least as I see the context here. And I, I think it's instructive that hospitality is not listed on the list of spiritual gifts in the Bible. Perhaps it could be, or it falls under certain categories. But First Peter talks about here in verse 11 that we minister, that we practice hospitality with the spiritual gift that we've been given. So hospitality takes on numerous forms and is practiced in numerous different ways, depending on your spiritual gift. So people with speaking gifts will practice hospitality in a different way, perhaps, than people with serving gifts, according to Hebrews, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 4. But either way, hospitality is to be practiced and it is to be practiced without grudging, without grumbling. It is supposed to be instinctive and impulsive. We train ourselves to notice and reach out to needs around us. However we do that, we do it because of yeah, our understanding of the command and uh, the mindset that we are in. Opening our hearts goes along with opening our homes. And perhaps, at least in our culture here at Weavertown, when we think of hospitality, we think of having people over, or uh, especially as it relates to the community of Weavertown. But along with that, I think hospitality also is an opening of our heart. It's been correctly said in relation to boundaries and so on. Everybody needs healthy boundaries. Having, no, having walls all around us is not healthy boundaries. Having no walls is also not healthy boundaries, but we need to have access points where people can come. And times, doors would be the way to describe that. Doors, so that people can come into our lives or that people have access to us and we to them. We are not to build walls to keep everybody out. <clears throat> I think this uh, passage here in First um, Peter four, we notice the um, text or the, the text about not the instruction about not grumbling or doing it grudgingly, doing it willingly, generously, points out that we should do it not only how we do it, but the importance of of actually practicing hospitality. And I think we've experienced it ourselves. When we feel ministered to, when people practice hospitality, it is not so much 
what is given to us but the feeling of being cared for. Practice hospitality. <clears throat> I'd like to talk now about Weavertown and hospitality. I think for many churches, it's something that any church, I think, is, is confronted with, and that's the subject or the issue of hospitality. And it's important for us to evaluate how are we doing with hospitality. I think there may be churches who have a very sound biblical program. The, the singing or the music is inspiring. The sermons are uplifting. But when a visitor comes to that setting and he does not feel cared for, he probably won't come back. He won't be motivated to come back. Conversely, I think there are churches who don't have a particularly inspiring music program or a particularly good singing program. They may not be musically inclined. Perhaps even the preachers don't do as well in presenting the gospel or in presenting the sermons. But I've been in places like that and I've visited churches where you feel cared for. And it's inspiring. You are in the midst of a group of people who love each other and care for each other. And when you are in their midst, they reach out to you and care for you. Here's the good news. I, I think... I think that Weavertown Church is a hospitable church. I can say that with little hesitation. I think Weavertown is a welcoming church because we want to, because we work at it. That doesn't mean that we don't have things to improve or that there's areas of improvement that need to happen. But I think it's important for us to greet people, to welcome people, to become friends with people that walk into our doors or into our lives in some way. And at the end, according to Scripture, we as Christians are celebrated by Jesus when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. <clears throat> One challenge that I want to leave with you on this section and again, I, I, I'm not saying this because I'm preaching to the choir. You're, I think you're a welcoming church. But the difference can easily be in our mindset. Sometimes we tend to think of ourselves as coming to church or going to church. Where we see Sunday morning services as an event. Sort of like going to the grocery store or the hardware store or keeping our appointment at the gym. It's something that we do that comes up on our schedule, our weekly schedule. It's just part of the weekly schedule. But I think the call, according to Scripture, is to be the church, to take the church, to take the gospel to people that we meet as we go. And part of that is Sunday mornings here in our services. Most of the rest of our week, we are not at church. And the call and the command is to meet people where they are as we go. 
kind of like the Good Samaritan, to take care of the needs that are in front of us at any given point. That might be the person that's sitting beside you here at church this morning. That might be a person that um, needs help um, where you meet them along the way. But I think that people who are committed to this lifestyle of hospitality quickly and soon realize that as they serve, as they meet the needs of people, their needs become met. And if you're here this morning or under the sound of my voice listening in some way and you are focused on your needs, I think one of the best ways to meet those needs is to start meeting the needs of people right around you. It is a way to get a focus off of my needs and think of other people's needs. I want to talk now about the practice of hospitality. How? How to practice hospitality. I have some ideas. I hope by now that you are not sitting here thinking, well, we haven't had 10 guests in our house this week, and you find yourself questioning whether or not you're even born again. I realize that our lives are busy, and we have full schedules. We all do. Our schedules are tight. And some of us feel, especially depending on our giftings or our makeup, we tend to feel that we don't have enough to barely reach around to the things that have to do with us, much less reaching out to noticeable or obvious needs around us. And we don't really feel like hosting a weekly dinner for people that we know or especially people that we don't know, strangers, inviting strangers into our house. That's not the intent of my sermon here today, is to heap condemnation on anyone. My point, my purpose here is to motivate us, to challenge us, to um, high-five your efforts, to cheer you on in what you're doing. But we do also need to understand that any kind of spiritual discipline, I think, is something that comes by practice. It comes by working on it. And hospitality is one of those ways. Things that we can do. Practical thoughts about, practice, about practicing hospitality. <clears throat> I think, first of all, like I said, we need to be intentional. And I think sometimes an easy way to practice hospitality is to plan, to plan for it. We, some of us tend to be more spontaneous. Others of us tend to be more rigid or scheduled in our, uh, our, our routines. One of the ways that you can practice hospitality is to plan for it, to build things into your schedule that give you the opportunity to reach out to people. Plan for it. Figure out what you have grace for. Figure out what you are gifted in and carry out that. Perhaps it's saying hello to a person after church, asking them about their week and doing it regularly. Follow up with people. Perhaps your job, whatever your vocation is, allows you to do it at work or allows you to do it during the day. Plan for it. Build it into your schedule. Plan hospitality. For some of us, for some of you, perhaps that's hosting people at your house. Plan for it. Prepare a meal. Host people overnight or something like that that have needs. But schedule it. Over a period of a week or a period of a month, 
Start to build hospitality into your schedule intentionally. And when you start to do it intentionally, it becomes habitual. And you start doing it because it's part of your life. Secondly, keep it simple. I think practicing Christian hospitality should not, I would say, is not about glamorous table settings. It is not about platters of picture-perfect food. It is not about having everything all cleaned up and spick and span. In fact, I think hospitality is probably much more opposite than that. It's, again, allowing people into our lives or inviting people into our lives or offering our lives as an inspiration for people around us, for needs around us, becoming the need, the solver to the need, becoming the need's remedy, hospitality. <clears throat> Sometimes I think the problem of not practicing hospitality is because we have our ideals too big. Our idea of hospitality and how to practice it is too big. And so we end up not practicing hospitality, which is sad. Along with that, I think it's important to think of hospitality as a way to make people feel special, encouraged. And I think that is hospitality at its basic and at its core is to, to treat people like fellow human beings. When you see a stranger, a complete stranger, you can see by the way they're dressed or by the way they're acting that they have a need. You associate with that person. You start to talk about things that they want to talk about. You can make a person feel special. And I think it's something that youth and children can learn at a very young age. And they should be taught and encouraged by us parents to do the same, to reach out to people, to broaden their circle of friends by caring for those around them. Keep it simple. Don't worry about your home is perfect. Don't stress over what is served. The focus of hospitality is people, not things. Keep it simple. Along with some of the things that I just said, I think it's important for us to welcome others into our world. Again, sometimes this is natural to people, more unnatural to other giftings. But I think it's something that we need to develop and train in our lives, where people and situations are welcomed. Those are different degrees for different people, I know. But when we see a need, recognize the need. See yourself as being part of the solution to the need. See yourself as being able to help the need, having something to offer the need that's in front of you. Introduce your world to the person. Welcome them verbally and non-verbally into your life or into your home or into your setting, whether it's the new guy at work. Let them know that they're welcome. Come alongside them. Offer them tips and helps. Don't have areas of your life that are off limits or in some way or another, an area of your home that is fenced off where they can't enter. Open doors, open hearts, open hands. That's what I'm talking about. It's a way of reflecting the heart of God 
to people who, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 11, welcomes us into the kingdom with open arms. The Lord Jesus Christ himself is sitting to welcome us. We see the same thing in our text here in 1 Peter 4. To him be praised forever and ever. Who is that? It's Jesus Christ who opened his arms, who opened his heart, who opened his life so that we could be redeemed. As I close, I want to challenge us to see hospitality as a daily calling. I think that God calls us to practice hospitality as a way of life. Not as, it's not something that's limited to an occasional activity when time and finances allow, but it's a way of life. And that talks about our mindset, how we think about life, life how we think about the situations that come into our lives. <clears throat> Ordinary hospitality, radical hospitality. I think it's important and interesting to notice, especially in the Old Testament, how God provided for the strangers. And God provided for strangers to be incorporated into families. That talks about belonging and being part of a bigger purpose and a bigger circle. For instance, in Psalm 68, verse 6, 5 and 6, I think there in that passage, it doesn't use the word hospitality, but it talks about the stranger or the person who is going um, solo. I think the word is... um, Solitude or something like that. The person in solitude is brought into a family. In Psalm 68. I just find that instructive and challenging. Our homes. Our families. Need to be welcoming. For people that are going solo. Perhaps that means people who are single. For whatever reason. Or for people that are single and what they're going through. They, they are going through a hard time in life or there's not so many situations like them. And so we come alongside them. We become their family to them during that time. I'm pretty sure you can think, about, think through situations like that. It's a living example of Christ's love and mercy to us. The things that he encountered during his ministry People who were diseased, people who were sick, people who were outcast, people who didn't have an education, people who were at a stage of life where they needed help. And Jesus was so faithfully and constantly there for people like that. I'm challenged by that. His mercy on the cross ultimately brought us into the kingdom, a family of believers. Mercy brings it together. Just several things as I summarize. Christian hospitality cares for the things that our neighbors care about. Things that are important to them. Esteeming others higher than myself. It means starting where they are. Beginning at their spot. Looking around for people that are around you who need help. And sitting here in your pews this morning, I, I would guess there's probably one or two situations that come to your mind rather quickly. 
situations that you can minister to. Perhaps it's a kind word. Perhaps it's a word of encouragement. Perhaps it's some act of service where you actually give something of your possessions to a person. It can be different things for different needs and different things for different people. But it starts where you are. It starts right around you, looking around where you are. It means that you make yourself trustworthy. Trustworthy enough to bear their burden, to enter into their life and, and hear their heart. Listening, encouraging, speaking. I challenge you to adopt that way of life and that way of living. I challenge you to, to practice a life that is less, or a road less taken, less praised. But that road reaps long-term blessings, eternal rewards, like we see in our text here today. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Christ Jesus. That's the reason. That's the cause. That's the purpose. That's why we have received mercy. And that's why we extend mercy and extend hospitality to other people. He goes on to say that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is my prayer, and I trust that God will lead us into situations that we can serve and minister. If you're able, I invite you to kneel for prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you and praise you for your hospitality and the mercy, the grace that you extended to us through Jesus Christ. I pray that you would help us and show us how we can in turn do that to those around us, to be involved as ministers and of channels through which your mercy can flow. I pray that you would help us and, and show us how we can be hospitable. And starting right around us, right where we are, I pray that you would help us to recognize needs and to faithfully and, um, and always meet, seek to meet those needs, to seek to point people to Christ and give us hearts that are like yours and help us to do it in a way that is within the limits and the gifts and the boundaries that you have placed on our lives or in our lives. We pray this all through Jesus Christ. Amen.